to talk to you about a very serious subject, ovarian cancer. And what I'm about to say to you in this podcast is going to span from 2014, when my journey began with ovarian cancer, until today, 2020, where it has returned again. But let me start with a couple of years ago. I was proud to say that the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition asked me to write of my experiences while living with this disease today. They needed it for a tomorrow review. So in essence, they've given me a deadline. <laughs> Luckily, I've lived through most of the trauma that goes with ovarian cancer. So deadlines are my friends. I say this with a kick in my step and a bit of dry wit on the side. I do my best work when I'm under the gun. Some even call me a smoking gun. I can remember the day I was diagnosed. We all say the same thing. What? I've been eating healthy, exercising, taking care of myself and my family for what feels like an eternity. This can't be happening to me. This only happens to other people. Truth is, we are other people. And it can happen to you. Even if you've lived in a bubble for your whole life, you still have to answer to genetics. Yes, you still get to blame your mom for something. I also remember thinking that ovarian cancer was a death sentence to women. At that moment, all five kids flashed across my mind. How do I continue to protect them from themselves or from me? My genes are in their bodies. It's amazing the brain power you realize you have when faced with a catastrophe like this. It's funny, though. It always seems to come back to our kids and what we can do to fix it. Maybe I was looking for something to fixate on so I wouldn't have to deal with the immediate truth. Who uses their own children in such circumstances or admits to it? That day was July 2014. I'd just written a racy book called The Diary of a Sugar Mom, Don't Tell the Kids. I was on tour with that book and didn't know what to do with the knowledge presented to me. My message via my book was to empower women without alienating their families. The book was meant to help women understand that no matter how many kids or what kind of husband, we will do whatever is needed to keep them safe but we need to be truthful with ourselves. We need to admit we still deserve me time. So I did what any normal crazy woman would do. And after breaking the news to my family, I went public with it. I thought, what could it hurt? Really? Could it kill me any faster than this death threat called ovarian cancer? I know myself well enough to realize that I heal faster when I talk about things. And believe me, I started talking, blogging, podcasting, Facebooking, tweeting. I did anything that could get the word out to other women for one reason only. Girlfriend, you need to stop avoiding your yearly physicals. Go! Ovarian cancer doesn't show its pretty head unless something else gets in its way like the threat of cervical cancer, or bleeding for no reason, maybe even exaggerated urinary tract infections. I just felt as if I was on a mission. 
I wanted my kids to see that it really mattered to me that our generation tried to do everything we could to save their generation from feeling this type of helplessness. If I talk, someone out there has got to be listening, and one of them just might have that fix. I know. I really do know. When faced with an emergency, we tend to fixate on the obscure, as in cancer? Is that a verb, noun, or adjective that I can change, heal, or diminish just by being the bitch that I know I can be? Having the ability to open my mouth to all who will listen while adding my humor to keep them captivated just long enough to make them realize this is for real? I want you to know that ovarian cancer is now manageable. It's called a chronic cancer because most often it just won't go away. A good oncologist will be honest with you from the get-go and tell you that only 15% will live the first three years cancer-free. I'm not one of the lucky ones. I made it to two years without a hitch. I felt so empowered and continued to blog and podcast about this disease with the hopes of catching more women in my web of knowledge, trying to show them the way that I didn't even see the possibility of it catching up to me again. Wrong. It's the cancer that won't allow you to be brazen. It's that cancer that doesn't add extra inches to your heels. This type of cancer has got to be treated with respect and like roadkill at the same time. It's sneaky and must be taken seriously. And there's no one that took it more seriously than me. Still, even with the respect I paid, it came back and it's haunting me to this day. This is where we are today with ovarian cancer. We have chemotherapy, which robs us of what we feel is all of our dignity as women. At first, we may feel like this was our fault. We must have done something in the past that called for this monster in the present. The silver lining is we become stronger and learn there's more to us than our precious hair, body, and flirtatiousness. Our brains and souls become huge and shareworthy. We want to tell other women to be careful, get checked, talk to our daughters, look at our genetics, etc., because we're great women in spite of the cancer. We now know who we are and what we are capable of doing. We become a force to contend with. Speaking for myself, I must have a dozen capes of a different color in my closet. There are so many different types of women that I knew I'd need an assortment of these capes to get us through. Some say cancer conqueror. <laughs> Others read, bite me. It's all the same message, but some women are just more sensitive than others. We also have promise in the air. Immunotherapy drugs, inhibitor drugs, cures that the FDA is this close to giving the green light to. I'm speaking from hands-on experience. Two years clean. And then my blood test came back higher, higher, and higher. It's called a CA-125, and it's a great way to measure ovarian cancer, but it's not a true indicator 
That's the part that really messes with your brain. It measures inflammation in your body. And it can come from being sick, the flu, really anything. Oncologists will say one of two things if your numbers come back higher at a steady incline. Let's wait and see. Or, this is very characteristic of this disease. I've seen it many times. The cancer is back. All of a sudden, it becomes your choice. You need to decide what your best course of action will be. Do I go on the inhibitor drugs this time around? Or do I wait it out and see if maybe, just maybe, something else is inflamed inside of my body that I just can't see yet? Ovarian cancer is a guessing game. We need to stay ahead of it by being proactive. First you find it, then you fix it. Finally, you watch it. And you do your best to stay ahead of it. I always felt from the very beginning, when I first started yapping, if I could save one woman's life just by opening my mouth, it was worth it. I still feel the same way. I hope you'll take me very seriously, even in my entertaining way of discussion, and never miss a yearly physical again. So let me wrap this up. I just wanted to be able to tell you the truth. That, yes, the cancer has come back. I'm on round three. But there's good news that goes along with this. You know, you have to think positive about certain aspects of a dreaded disease. First of all, let me just backtrack for a second. I have spent the last six weeks jumping from studio to the hospital for blood test after blood test every two weeks, waiting for results to see if the numbers continue to go up. And there's a CA-125 that measures this ovarian cancer gene. It's just an indicator. And if the number goes up, it means the chances are it's back. And it wasn't jumping astronomically above the line, but it was enough to concern me. And then they ordered a CT scan and they saw a little something, but it wasn't anything more really than was there before. But they weren't sure because on a CT scan, you can't see everything. Finally, I went for the PET scan and that was about a week ago. And it lit up, not a whole lot, which means that we caught it early. But I knew there was something going on. And it's like with ovarian cancer, you can't feel it. Like I said earlier, there are no symptoms. But I just knew. And it wasn't me being pessimistic. It was just me being fully aware of my body and also knowing that this is a chronic cancer. It will never go away until they find a complete cure for it. But here's where I say there's good news. There are PARP drugs that are approved by the FDA. They are the inhibitor drugs I mentioned earlier. So what these do are sort of what the chemo does, but with less turmoil to your inner body. Yes, it'll cause fatigue, might cause nausea, but it's not going to cause me to have all of my other organs at risk the way chemo just comes in and charges and takes over and kills everything and anything in its way that it can, these drugs are more selective. They are meant to go after the cancer and just the cancer. So no hair loss, no weight gain, possible nausea, possible fatigue. My white count will probably be low. 
so I'd have to watch that. Maybe I'm allowed to have B12 shots for energy. I don't know. I'm still in the learning stages. Like I don't even know what date I'm beginning these drugs. That's how new it is. But I wanted to talk to my kids first before I talk to you. And they've all been told, and they've all gone through their mini depressions, and it was not easy keeping all of this from them, let alone you. But one of my kids, God bless her, what a pain in the ass she was. <laughs> I tried not to call anybody over the last two weeks because I didn't want to talk about it yet. And when you have five kids, if you have half a story and you have to tell that half a story to five of them, and then you have to wait with all five of them, with them asking question after question, "Mom, have you heard anything? Mom, anything new?" Who wants to go through that crap? I wanted to wait until I finally had the answer so I could tell it all one time on one phone call to all five. But she kept FaceTiming and texting and. Phone calls and one time I went to hit no, you know, on the FaceTime, and by accident I hit okay, and there she was, live on my screen, and she saw my face. She says, "Mom," I said, "What?" <laughs> she says, "I was about to call the police. I was going to call the fire department. I was going to have somebody come to your house. None of us have been able to get in touch with you. What is going on?" And so it began. I told her, she got very upset. I said to her, "This is why I didn't want to tell you." But mom, how could it be back? I mean, this is what's the hardest part of all is trying to explain to everybody else in the world when you get sick that you don't want to talk about things until you have all the answers, and then when you have the answers, you actually feel better, knowing that at least you. Have a, a course of action to deal with this bad news, and so I explained that you know you got to give me time. Just let me get the answer. Let me hear from my doctor. I'm I'm like hours away from finding it all out. Be patient with me, and that's what I'm saying to you. I've got the answer. The cancer is back. The last time I had cancer, I never even told my employers. Nobody knew. And I did chemo too for four months, and I walked away after the fourth month because I knew that chemo was going to kill me before the cancer. So my doctors are well aware I am not a candidate anymore for chemo. It just does something to your head. It really messes with your memory, your emotions, and I can't live that way. I need to have. Some sort of control over myself, and chemo doesn't allow that. It diminishes you as a person, inside and out. And I want to be clear here: I've already done ten rounds of chemo. So, if by some chance, God forbid, you wind up with cancer, you go for the chemo because you can make it through six months, absolutely, and you'll live through it. And you'll be fine. And if you have to do it again, do it as many months as you can tolerate. I'm just at a different level because I've already been there and done that. So I'm not telling you stay away from chemo if you have cancer. I'm just saying there are alternatives after you've gone through that part. Okay. 
Point being, my doctors know it's not an option for me. I qualify for these PARP drugs because I did chemo twice, and I have something called the BRCA gene, which is a genetic thing that you should be tested for if it runs in your family. Talk to your gynecologist about it. B-R-C-A, the BRCA gene. Just get tested. Because if you are positive, it doesn't make it a negative. It just means that you can be more proactive and take care of yourself and go get a mammogram and make sure that maybe once in a while your doctor will order a scan of your abdomen area just to make sure there's nothing brewing down there. So here I sit and I'm telling you now, I am going to begin treatment the beginning of March. I don't know how it's going to affect me. Everybody's different. We'll see. If I can make it through chemo, I can certainly make it through this. And as the doctors have said to me over and many times again, I will die with this cancer. I will not die from this cancer. You see the difference? It's just the hand that I was dealt. And the main reason I'm telling you is so that you too will be proactive. It's really important. Don't skip your physicals. Ask for blood work. Ask for a CA-125 if cancer runs in your family. It's a simple little blood test. CA-125. Let yourself be in charge of yourself. And then let your doctors help you. And if you have any questions or any concerns, you can write me anytime you want. Or click on the subscribe button right here. And put your email down there so I can get in touch with you. But my email address also is robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. I'm always here to discuss any part of this, from losing your hair to steroids to the disease itself to side effects, all the way from A to Z. There's so much in between. And it's always wonderful to have somebody to talk to about it if you happen to be going through it. I'm here. I've made the offer. And I'm insisting that you go to your doctor every year, at least as a minimum. Just go. Don't skip it and think, oh, I'm fine. That's bullshit. You don't know what's lurking. Just get checked. I was the epitome of good health. Got it? Thank you. Talk to you next week. And don't forget, you can find me on Facebook at Sugar Mom, Twitter, Real Sugar Mom. My podcast is Sugar Mom Podcast on iTunes and many others. And finally, my website is sugarmom.net. I'm very much there for you. I'll always tell it like it is and will help you through. The best news of all, <laughs> my five kids, they're just like me. They will find your children one day and reach out to them as I am to you. Much love and respect. Robin Marshall. <laughs>